In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me today. Marissa, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. So a lot of you guys don't know that Marissa is like a goddess, a sorceress. She is absolutely amazing in everything that she does. And she has an incredible story. And I can't wait to get into that today. So Marissa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I sort of briefed everyone a little bit about your awesomeness, but my burning question for you is how did you get started? Like what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? I've had quite a trajectory to where I am right now. And I never really imagined that I'd end up where I am now in this magical, mystical world of, you know, witches and, you know, psychics and tarot readers and all that. I actually, I started out as a, an English teacher. I was an English teacher for a few years. It was horrible. I did not resonate with it at all. And I, I kind of grew up with this, you know, my family was very much into you pick a solid career. You don't, you know, if you don't love it, who cares? Like suck it up. I remember telling my dad, I hate what I'm doing every day I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot stand the fact that I have to go into work. And every time I saw him, he would tell me, well, you know what? In only 40 more years, you're going to have this great pension. And I, I was like, so that's it. Like, that's my goal, you know, to, to be miserable for the next 40 years. And he was like, well, that's just what you do. It's a job. That's why it's a job and it's not fun or vacation. So growing up with that, those messages constantly sort of implanted through my parents, I was really hesitant to quit teaching because I felt like, okay, I'm just giving up. I do not love this, but who does love their job? Like, is it even possible? And so I eventually just realized I was so unhappy. And one day I was, uh, so this is totally aging me because I'm 45 years old. And back then we didn't have Google like we do now. I was on my AOL search engine in my office searching for, I was just typing in like jobs, you know, I think at that point it was so different. You know, I just, I was looking, I was in monster, I think like all of those, those old websites. And there was this ad that popped up on the computer and it was for a new acupuncture graduate program that had just uh, been created in Connecticut. So I looked at it and I was like, it just caught my eye and I always was kind of interested in holistic health. And just like that, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to check this out and see if it's something that I might want to do. And the moment I, you know, I sat down and I started to, you know, I feel I've started filling out the paperwork for grad school and all that. And I felt like this lifting, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm on the right path. Like something is shifting here. This is good. So in the interim, it's so funny. I tell this story and people are like, it's so crazy that your life can change from the tiniest things. Sometimes the smallest catalyst at the time when I was teaching, I was in such an awful situation. I mean, I lived in the worst area. I don't know if people are familiar with New Haven, Connecticut, but I was living in this apartment with three roommates. We had people break into our apartment while we were sleeping and steal out of our pockets while we were literally sleeping. I would wake up at least every three months, half of my license plate would be missing because people kept cutting the stickers off of my license. And I was in horrible relationships with friends and other people. Like it was everything about my life. I was like, there isn't a single corner of my life that feels good to me. I'm so unhappy. I felt really unhealthy. I was, I'm just miserable. And so one day I was sitting on my couch and I'm watching TV. And again, this was like 25 years ago or whatever, maybe more like 20, but I'm watching TV and there's this tampon commercial that comes on and (laughs) (laughs) it'd be good. (laughs) And in the commercial, it was like this woman who was 
he was like, it's time for an upgrade. And, you know, she's got this crappy car and she like snaps her fingers and it upgrades to a Porsche. And then she's in this shitty apartment. She snaps her fingers and she's in this beautiful mansion. And then, you know, obviously the whole point of the commercial was like, she was upgrading from her low rent tampon to something better. But for some reason in that moment, I looked at this commercial and I thought, why can't I upgrade my life? What is stopping me from making a decision right now to change everything in my life? There is nothing except for myself. And so literally within a week, I joined a gym. I signed up for graduate school. I decided to move to Boston. I blew up a lot of the relationships that were really, really taking from me. And I got in my car and like left. And that was like the most freedom I had ever felt having no certainty about like, how am I going to feed myself? I didn't have anyone to rely on. Like I was, I've always just kind of had to take care of myself. So I'm like, I don't have anything to like fall back on. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know. My car was like falling apart. And I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to make this happen. I can't live in this state of just stagnation, just sitting here miserable and like knowing exactly what every day is going to look like, but, and being safe in that, right. You know, it's safe when you know, but I was like, I'd rather be unsafe, have no idea what's coming and know that I'm moving forward. And every single step I'm taking is going to bring me to something completely different, something completely different until I get to a place where I want to be. So I think that tampon commercial for everything good that's happened in my life so far. (laughs) (laughs) amazing we got to thank that tampon company seriously for real that wow that's amazing that's amazing now I have to ask you because there's a lot of questions I'm going to ask you but what did you want to be when you grew up like when you were a kid I wanted to be a writer which I, I mean, I do, I write a lot now, but I've always been really, I've always been a good writer. And that's what led me to my teaching career because I thought as most people do, oh, it'll be so easy. I'll teach during the day and I'll have so much time to write at night thinking that, you know, teaching takes no energy or time at all. But I was so drained from obviously the teachers out there know that's what everyone thinks, but that's not what the reality is. And so it was draining and exhausting. I never did anything creative because I was always so tired or I was like out drinking every night because I had to kill the pain of my day. I mean, that time in my life, I was just, I was so unhappy. And so when you're in that space of unhappiness, it's really hard to get creative. It's really hard to get that motivation to, to do anything that feels like it's moving outside of your circle of content or of existence. You know, at this point, you're just kind of like, here's my comfort zone. I'm in school. And then I go and I, you know, go out for happy hour and I wake up the next morning. I do it all again. I never made time to do anything creative, but that was what I originally thought I was going to end up doing. That's crazy. And then pretty much you transitioned into, you said something that like your, your parents had mentioned, which was so crazy. It's like, you work all these years just to enjoy a pension when you're like 70. Like, what if you don't make it? I know. And I have so much respect for my parents because I mean, my dad has always had like three or four jobs always. Like he bust his ass. And so honestly, like sometimes I almost feel guilty because I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. I can create whatever income I want to create. And then I think about, you know, he's like out there, like outside doing this hard manual labor. And it just kind of does make me feel a little bit guilty, but I mean, you know, we all make our choices, but he's got such an amazing work ethic, but he also was always very much, you work for what you want, but you are going to have to suffer to get what you want. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to be happy and make money. Like there were so many mixed messages that I've received growing up around, like being able to make money and like worth and value. And he has like right now he's, he's kind of, he's relatively happy in his job right now, but like his whole life, I just remember him coming home from work and being so miserable. I mean, not toward us, but like so unhappy and so exhausted. And like, like he had nothing left. He was just like, he took off his shoes and he was like done. And I'm like, that's what work looks like. You know, you have no energy left at the end of the day. You just sit down and you're like, I'm freaking done because I suffered for eight hours and now I get to rest. Yeah, no. And I totally feel like my parents still are like sort of the same way, you know, where it's like this, this mentality about 
work is is a bit different. I mean, they have their own business and they have their own restaurant, but to them, it's like, they're so old school. They're just like, work, 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 work. And I try to explain to them, well, you guys got to like pull back a little bit. You don't have to be working like crazy all the time. Cause then it's like, like you said, your energy is drained at the end of the day. And what are you working for at that point? Right. Just to be miserable, to get some freedom on like the weekend. If you do like potentially, I don't know, you know, and like one of my biggest moments and realizations were like when, you know, being a traveling, cause I was born in Albania and then came here when I was five but like when I would travel and go back overseas and then like I see people on tours and there's like a ton of like old people and they're like sitting down and you know because they're old they're, they can't walk like too much you know and it's not their fault but I'm like thinking in my head I'm like these people have worked their whole lives just to be here now I don't want to be that I want to do that now. I want to do that now, you know? And I just remember I was like a young teenager and I was just like watching all this. I need freedom. It's so weird. And then it manifested in my futures, but very similar. It just reminded me of that when you were talking about it, that it's just like, are you really going to wait? Or do you want to create yourself? You want to create and design your own life. Right. And if not now, when, sad to say, I've inherited this gene, the procrastination gene, but I cope with my procrastination quite differently. But like, I always, I used to get so angry at my parents because they were always like, we'll do that one day. I mean, that was their big thing. They'd always say, we'll do, we'll go there one day. We'll do this one day. And, and one day I just kind of turned around and I was, okay, that one day, you know, you've been promising it for the last 30 years. Mm. Is the one day ever actually going to get here? And I mean, you can't control other people's lives the way they think. And if they're happy with that, that's fine. But for me, it was such a source of frustration because I was like, if I want something now, why do I have to wait 30 years to make it happen? If I want to see Italy, yeah. why can't I just, why do I have to be like, well, one day it'll be a better time to go. There's always going to be an excuse. There's always going to be something that you can say where, well, I can't do it right now, but you know what? We don't know how long we have. And not only that, but you're right. Like we get old and why can't we enjoy it while we're energetic and healthy? We just don't know if that's going to always be the case. Right. And another one of my biggest moments where I really like slapped me in the face, because even when I did become an entrepreneur and I was like overworking myself to the point that I was like 20 hours a day, 18 hours a day. And like, you know, I remember like my grandfather, we were at, you know, we were at his bedside as he was passing. He just, when we were around him, like nobody was talking about work. Everyone was playing his favorite songs memories with him, like sharing all these beautiful moments. When you're at that point in time, is that what people are going to be talking about? You worked 20 hours a day. Like what? That woke me up seeing that. And I like, it's crazy that you have to get into these moments where like realization hits like that. It's bananas. Mm-hmm. It's bananas. And it's like, you really want to wait. And then at the end of it all, money doesn't go with you. Right. Nobody's ever, I mean, I think it was Steve Jobs, you know, he was like, nobody's ever been laying there on at their death, you know, getting ready to die saying, God, I wish I worked more. <laughs> you know, I wish I worked those extra hours. Now people regret the things that they miss, like the relationships and the travel and all of those moments. And, you know, we should be working. Well, I'm an entrepreneur. So I really believe that like, it shouldn't feel like work. I mean, it is work, but it should, the greater purpose of it should be so fulfilling that you're, you're like, it's work and I'm, I'm doing hard things, but at the same time, the reward is so much greater than the work going into it. That doesn't even feel like that. I was talking to somebody the other day and, and she was like, you work all the time. I'm like, well, yeah, because I do shit that I love. That's mm-hmm. it. And that's really, I mean, that's sort of, I look at the things in my life and sometimes I have to remind myself and like, I'll take on too much. And then I have to think, okay, what's the shit that I love. <laughs> and then I'll be able to see Like, I am like on fire when I do this, this, and this. And when I take on this, I'm like, Meh. I'm more tired. I feel like Meh. I'll get to it later. So I just cut that out. I'm like, I don't want that in my life anymore. Right. I'm going to focus on the things that I love to do. But, you know, I mean, even for people who aren't entrepreneurs, like I feel like the goal of work shouldn't be to kill yourself. It should be like, I'm going to support my dreams. I'm going to support my happiness, my family, whatever. It shouldn't be this awful thing where, and it's all encompassing and there's like, it's taking up all the space in your life and leaving no room for joy. Heck yeah. And that's why I love and respect what you did so much that you were just like, I'm out and it takes some serious, I'm just going to say it serious balls to do that, to just get up from what your situation, not knowing where you're going, complete uncertainty and just be like, I'm going to Boston. See y'all later. So (laughs) what was like the final kick in the butt that you were like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Like, that's it. 
no more because there are people likely listening or know of people that they might be in this rock bottom situation and they're just like you said one day is it going to be day one or is it going to be one day right you choose right what inspired you to just be like just execute and just leave and just be like I'm out because that's the hardest part is taking that jump and that leap of faith you know yeah I mean I think it was just an accumulation of seeing everything in my life that wasn't working. And then I honestly, I think I just had one awful night at work because I was waiting tables to, you know, after I kind of left teaching, I think I just had one final, like awful night at work where I was getting tormented by, you know, my tables. And I just, that was it. It was like the the breaking point of, okay, I am so unhappy in this life that I'm (laughs) living right now. I need to change everything because this is bullshit. And I felt, you know, the other component too is that I felt extremely disrespected in pretty much every area of my life. I was so disrespected as a teacher. I mean, my my students were really bad. (laughs) They used to sit on me and put me in the closet and lock me in. They were really awful. They were horrible. I mean, I am not a disciplinarian, so I take some of the blame, but my students were known, like they had a reputation when I went into that school, actually. So I started teaching probably like two months into the school year. And the reason why was because the teacher I replaced, she had a nervous breakdown in class. They drove her insane and she (laughs) wandered off never to be seen again. And the kids would like joke about it. Like, I didn't know the story because obviously when I got hired, you know, the principal wasn't going to tell me. So this is why we need someone. They were like, oh, you know, this teacher couldn't, she had some personal issues. And I was like, all right. And then when I was in school and the teachers had told me what happened, but the kids were like, you know, I would hear them being like, oh, we'll get you just like we got her. And we took care of that bitch. Like (laughs) we drove her crazy and she like lost it. And I mean, they were really there were a few kids that were, they were fine, but I would say that the majority of the students were, I mean, it really was like a freaking, you know, like one of those movies. <laughs> high school kids. What are they? Middle school? What? They were high school. They were sophomores oh, and seniors. This. Oh my um, God. Oh my God. It was horrible. And I got suckered into being the yearbook advisor too. So that was a whole other can of worms because, oh my God, it was such a nightmare. I saw all the photos after and like every photo had like a kid giving the middle finger. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. Really? <laughs> I had to do the whole, whole yearbook over again because I like missed all of these little, little things that they were doing in the background. But yeah, it was just, it was a really, it was a really stressful situation. I do not think I was cut out for teaching regardless. But this did not help. Crazy is like, they didn't tell you. They were just like, like she wandered and they never found her again. She's like, oh, she had some personal issues. Like, I'm pretty sure some further disclosures were, had to have been required. That's like a hazardous job from what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh my God. I could sit here for five hours and tell you horror stories about what, you know, the different things that the kids had done and all that. But, you know, I'm kind of grateful because I do feel like a lot of people are, you know, they're in a job and they feel like, it's okay. I'll live. You know, it's like, I'm not happy here, but it's not so awful that I can't bear it. Right. And so I know that I was not supposed to be doing that. I know I was supposed to be on this path I am now. And I, I'm kind of grateful because I think would I have stayed if it wasn't absolutely terrible? Like, would I've just sucked it up and thought, well, it's not my perfect life, but you get what you get and I'll just stick it out. You know, so in the end, it was actually a good thing that the whole teaching thing was so, so traumatic. <laughs> Looking back on it. Yes. Oh my God. That's crazy. So then when you came to Boston, you just packed up your bags. Like, tell me what that process was like when you just got here and you're just, I'm here. I went on Craigslist and I, <laughs> back then you could actually find real people on Craigslist. I went on Craigslist and I found a, uh, I found a random roommate and I just, you know, packed up all my stuff. I signed up for grad school. I didn't have a job when I got here. So I actually sort of donated my body to science and I went through Boston, (laughs) Boston medical, and they have all of these experiments that you can do and get paid money. And I was like, any money. I was completely, I had no money at all. And I, again, I didn't have a job yet. So 
I tested like a time release sleeping pill. I tested this human growth hormone, like injection. I had a whole series of these medical experiments and I would just like go in and they would be like, all right, well, we're going to give you some pills. And, you know, and I'd be like, okay, glad I'm not planning on having kids because they'd probably have eight heads. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please just pay me. And then I ended up, you know, finding a waitressing job and I was able to support myself that way while I was in grad school. So, Wow. And walk me through the transition. So you were going through grad school and then working as a waitress and sort of how did you transition into the acupuncture world? Originally, I was planning on going back to Connecticut once I was done with grad school. I decided to do a little bit of just recon and see what people were charging for rents. And the first place that I found, I clicked with the owner so hard. She had a ridiculously, like amazingly cheap offer for rent. But we also, it was just that energy. We just knew she was like, I really want you here. Like you, I want to help you. I want to help you build your business. And I was like, you know what? I was planning on moving back to Connecticut, but I think I'm supposed to be here. So I started my business. I, you know, I opened up shop. I just slowly sort of flipped the uh, scale of when I was working, like I was working waiting tables every night and I would schedule myself from like, you know, whatever, nine to nine to three in my office every day. Then I started to fill my schedule and I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll Instead of working seven days a week, waiting tables, I'll take off Mondays. Then I'll take off two because I started to fill to the point where I was like, all right, I'll take some Monday night appointments and Tuesday night appointments. And so I waited tables for probably, probably like two years after I started doing acupuncture. And then one day it just, it was like the most amazing feeling because I'm like, oh my God, like I am making so much more money doing acupuncture than I am waiting tables. I've actually... I've made it like, this is my business now. It's not just, you know, like a hobby where I'm, you know, I'm doing it when I'm not working. Like now waiting tables doesn't feel like my work anymore. Now it feels like it's time to just release it and be a full on, like, this is my whole business. And once I did that, my business like blew up and I started, I took a training in hypnotherapy and got certified in that, started incorporating that into my acupuncture sessions. And that became really popular. So that really helped to blow up my business as well. And yeah, and that's how it all started with me. And it's funny because people look at all the reasons why not, you know, and I had every reason to think I had no financial support. I had two bankruptcies. I had no money in my account. I was like, I had no business background at all. Like did not have the first idea of how to run a business. And so many people just keep feeling like, well, I'll wait until I'll wait till I have more money. I'll wait till my credit's better. I'll wait, you know, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm doing it. Like, I'm not going to wait. Like I might suck at it, but at least I'm doing it. And now make a bunch of mistakes. I'm going to do that anyway. So I might as well get them over with and move on and keep moving forward. And so I did, you know, I made a ton of mistakes when I started out. And now I look back, I'm still making, I mean, we're human and, you know, I'm always learning, but it makes me sad when I see people who just are like so hesitant because they're like, I can't, I can't start until everything's perfect. It's never going to fucking be perfect. Mm-hmm. Just do the thing. It's never going to be a perfect time to do it. Absolutely. Well, what I really love about your story is like you just decided like after grad school and stuff that you're like, I'm just going to open up my own business. And then like, where you have, then you met this woman who had this amazing space. You opened your energy up. You're just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way to do it. And like, sometimes like I tell people like exactly what you just said, I'm just going to wait. Okay. What is that going to do for you? Right. Right. Like, what is that going to do for you? And also too, like, it's not like you're going to start a business and then everything else in your life shuts out. You, there's ways to build a business slowly and Mm -hmm. not have to like completely quit your job and make it like this super risky thing. Like, like you said, you were still waiting tables while you were doing this. So you were making sure everything was being sustained, which is the very smart way to do it. You're not just like, I'm going to drop everything and call it a day. You know what I mean? I tell people, I'm like, there's ways to risk mitigate so that you're not putting your ass on the line, basically. Like there's a way to, to sort of keep it easy for you and to have it keep functioning and keep flowing without having to interrupt every area of your life. Like you said, you're like, well, you know, I instead of doing seven days a week, I did six. And then I started booking my calendar. Like that is brilliant. That is so brilliant. You broke it down, which I like, I love. I and love. waiting tables is the best way. I mean, if, So many people, I tell them, you know, if you can wait tables while you're building your business, Mm -hmm. it's not the easiest thing to do, 
But I feel like that's the biggest thing that helped me to, to actually build a business, not just because it was flexible enough for me to do, you know, to do my thing and to wait tables at the same time, but the skills you develop in the restaurant world, I mean, being able to, to deal with people, being able to multitask, being able to think, you know, think around problems, like think in different unique ways and like create solutions for different problems, like fast because <laughs> you you have to always be you know in the restaurant world it's always like all right something is messed up and I need to fix it like yesterday so what yep. am I going to do you know and how do I make that person not hate me as I'm fixing it and so so much of that is I brought it right over into my into my practice because it's like just that training of the multitasking really was the biggest thing like I got so good at it from waiting tables so I recommend that anybody who wants to start a business start out waiting tables. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know that like I've been preaching that as a prerequisite like to anyone. I'm like, listen, I'm like you want to start a business? Try the restaurant world. Because I had two restaurants by the time I was 21. And I started in restaurants when I was 10. Family's restaurant, I was there from the time I was 10 until 20. And then by 21, I had two of my own restaurants. Plus I was overseeing my parents too. So I've done everything in the restaurant world. And it's like that, even though like I hated it when I was working for my parents, <laughs> like you said, those skills translate incredibly well. You, you can think on your feet, you know, customer service, you know how to connect with people. You can multitask, you can work well under pressure. I mean, there's a million things and it's like every single great entrepreneur that I've met has some sort of restaurant experience, which I think is so interesting. I mean, I like, I think about it now. I'm like, I don't know if I could go back to it. Cause it was really, I mean, it's, it really is it's physically demanding. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard, you know? But it's also it is such amazing training. Like it, I feel like it completely retrained my brain to mm-hmm. think in a, a way that really benefited my business. Mm-hmm. I love that. And Marissa, like, how did it, because this is another thing, right? When people decide to start their business, but then it's like that first three to five years of entrepreneurship, which like can suck because you're making so many mistakes in, in the interim, right? Like, how did you start building like a client base, especially being in, you know, you were basically in a new city. It's not like you were raised here. So it's not like you had relationships or embedded relationships in the city, you know, like how did you sort of work through that? So the biggest things that I did were I ran a, a living social, which do you remember those? They're like Groupons. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I would never do that now <laughs> ever. But in the beginning, I, so because I was doing the combination of the acupuncture and the hypnotherapy, it was unique. Mm. And it was also something that was buildable, which by that, I mean, like so many people get Groupons and they're like, you know, bargain shoppers that hop, they're like, I'll get a massage from you, then from you, then from you, you know, because they want to use that coupon and they're not out for loyalty. They're just out to like, to like try a bunch of different things. But what I did was I I told people there, this is a protocol. So you come in for your first session of hypnoacupuncture. And I knew like, I'm not going to make a lot of money off the first session because I'm giving that big cut to Groupon and, you know, they're getting a discount as well. But I was like, you have to sign up for three sessions after that's the protocol. And 90, I would say 95% of those people did. Wow. And I had like over 200 people who purchased the Groupons. All of those people that stayed with me, I kept a mailing list. I stayed in contact with everyone. They continued to see me after all of their sessions were over. They started referring their friends and their family to me. So that was like really what gave me the biggest jump in my business. I was poor. I mean, so I didn't have money to do any kind of advertising or anything like that. So basically what I did every day was I would either blog. I would, I started writing for the the local patch and I was writing all these articles on acupuncture. And I would also like Google myself literally every day. I would Google acupuncture and I was in Wayland then acupuncture in Wayland, you know, healing in Wayland, hypnotherapy in Wayland. I would do this over and over and I would list myself everywhere for hours and hours. It was so boring and so tedious. But what started to happen was because I was doing it every day, I really, I started to see that I was really visible online. Um, So I started to get a fair amount of people from searching online searches as well. But definitely the biggest thing that I did was the, um, the group, the living social. And I also threw a lot of shit at the wall to see what would stick. Like I, every time there was some sort of free opportunity to promote myself, I was like, well, why the hell not? You know, like I'll just do it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'm no worse off than I am now. That's another, I like, like entrepreneurs struggle with. They're like, well, what am I going to do? What if I make the wrong move? I'm like, just do it. 
And if you make the wrong move, then don't do it again. Nobody's going to come to your house and like kill you with a machete because you signed up for Google ads and didn't work for you. Right. The worst thing that's going to happen is the Google ads aren't going to work for you. Period. End of story. You move on to the next thing. But people are, I don't know what it is. People get so scared and they're so like frozen with like indecision. They just don't want to make any moves forward because of, what if it's the wrong one? I'm like, well, if it is the wrong one, it's the wrong one. Then you know, you're a little bit wiser. You know, that's not the path that's going to work for you. But yeah, I mean, those, all the things I did cumulatively, you know, really, I think, because I was doing all these different ways. You know, I was posting on Facebook. I, I was doing everything I could think of to bring people in. The one thing I did that really failed and it taught me the most, actually, of all the things I did, the biggest failure taught me the most was that I gave, when I was about a year into my practice, well, maybe like nine months into my practice, I looked at my scheduler and I'm like, holy shit, I have 30 clients. I now have like over 2000 clients, but that 30 sounded so big to me because it was the end of my first year. And so I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to give every, <laughs> I gave every one of those clients a gift certificate for themselves and a gift certificate for a friend, all free. So they could have a session for free and then their friend or family member could have a session for free. So I gave them all out and I went to work that night to wait tables. And I got into this discussion with this woman at one of my tables who was a PR person. And she started talking about acupuncture. I was like, oh, that's what I do. And anyway, she was like, tell me the last five things you've done to bring clients in. And I told her about, I was so excited. I was like, guess what I did today? <laughs> so I told her my, my master plan and how I had, you know, I had done this. And she was like, oh, honey, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the value of zero is zero. Mm -hmm. If you give all of your shit for free, she's like, I can promise you not a single person will take you up on that. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Like, how is anyone going to turn down a free? And she was like, just watch. And she was absolutely right. No way. She was just like, this is what happens when you do free things. People don't respect it. They look at it and they're like, it's, this has the value of zero. So therefore, why do I even want it? But she totally knew what she was talking about. And that really was the one, the one thing that I did that had the least results, but taught me the most. And I don't do anything for free anymore, unless I decide that I'm called to do it. Or if it's free, I'm happy to do stuff for charity and, you know, things like that. But I will never just tell people like, oh, come in, come in. I'll give you a free session to lure you in because it does not work. That's nuts. And you would think that that would be a huge thing, but wow, the value yeah. of zero is zero. And that is so true because mm -hmm. people want skin in the game and that's when they'll perform or when they see that it's of value. Cause they're like, well, if you're giving it away for free, it doesn't really, it's not really worth much. Right. right? So, wow. That's fascinating. And like, you know, throughout you building this business, you know, what kept you inspired? Because I know like how brutal the first few years of business can be, especially when you're juggling like a million things at once. Like what kept you inspired? Was there like a mentor in your life or was there like, what was your inspiration during that time? To be honest with you, I'm a Scorpio. And so my inspiration is hate. For anyone who's listening and doesn't know this, Marissa and I are birthday twins, which is probably one of the main reasons why I love her so much because our energies are so similar. I am so much more inspired by people screwing me over telling me I can't do things mm. like hurting me than I am by people rah-rahing me. I have a lot of people in my life that rah-rah me. I appreciate every single rah-rah. I appreciate every single person, but I'm never like, when I get like a message from somebody that's like, oh my God, keep going. You're so amazing. I'm like, thank you. But it doesn't do, it doesn't make me feel like, yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm just like, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. All I have to get is one asshole who's like, I know there's no way. And I'm like, oh, all right. I'm like the ultimate, like, oh, we'll see person. And I have never, ever like backed down from anyone who has ever like doubted me, like screwed. Me. I will keep going with this for eternity. I'll even work with like things I don't even care about anymore. I'm like, I don't even give a shit about this old project I'm working on. But I will work on it until the day I die now, just because one person told me that I wouldn't finish it. <laughs> I totally feel you on that. You know how I got into, well, like the real estate realm. So I had my restaurants, like I said, by the time I was 21 and two of them. And then like, you know, people knew me that I've been in restaurants since I was 10 years old. 
And there's this one guy because I was interested in real estate and I had like was just thinking about, you know, like I was just about to buy my first flip. I had a coach like I had all that stuff because I wanted to create real estate as a different stream of revenue for me. I didn't think I wasn't trying to do like a career change or nothing. I had my restaurants. I was like, I'm just trying to make more money just in case this doesn't work out. Like I'm like, that's, that's all it was. Right. And then this guy, and he's like a family friend, really close to like my dad. And I'm like telling him I'm like super pumped and he's a real estate developer. Yeah. I was like, so excited. I was like, yeah, I'm taking on this endeavor. I'm like, what do you think? And I'm about to buy my first flip and I'm so excited and blah, blah, blah. And he just looks at me and he's like, I think you should stick to restaurants. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> and I tell you what, when you were saying your story, I was like, fire, fire just erupted here. And I was until the day that I drive a Lamborghini and pull up to this guy's gas station that he owns one of his properties and make sure that one of his guys fills my gas and he sees that car. And I'm going to make sure I tell him like, yes, I became a real estate mogul. So that was actually one of my things too. It must be a Scorpio thing. Cause I was like, what, where, where do oh, I it's definitely a Scorpio. Where do I get this darkness, man? Like I'm, I'm a happy and optimistic person, but then there's some like darkness, like you just mentioned, like, what does this come from? <laughs> just like you you're like oh hell no <laughs> no my friends joke that I always need one asshole in my life and when I they're like sometimes if I'm like oh I'm feeling a little adrift they're like you're missing an asshole I'm like I have to go find an asshole <laughs> I have to find someone that's like you can't do that but the problem is nobody doubts me anymore because everybody around me is like well if you say you're gonna do something it's getting done like nobody's telling me I can't do shit so I'm like I think I need to widen my circle and and you know get some low vibers in there just to like just to keep my blood running and keep me motivated that's so funny you know we're so similar in that respect and I and I love that and like now like with acupuncture how did you transition into meeting these fantastic like tarot readers and just like amazing because you have some outstanding out of this world human beings in your circle that I'm just like holy crap how did she get started with all this because it's so cool I mean it's all holistic so it makes sense but like what was like your first encounter oh okay so okay so I'd been doing acupuncture for probably like five or six years and I decided to move my I decided to relocate So long story short, I ended up moving into this building that had some entities or hauntings. I don't know what you want to call it. It was bad though, like really bad. And so I'm in, you know, I'm in this space and I started to feel, I mean, I've always been open to this stuff. I was always one for a good tarot party, whatever, but I was never like into it, into it. You know, I was never immersed in the world. So I'm in this space and I'm starting to feel like, I think I'm having a nervous breakdown. Like I was horribly depressed all the time. Things were like moving around in my office. I was seeing things. I was hearing things. Crazy shit was going on. And so I, it kept escalating and getting worse and worse. And then finally, like one day I went to go leave my office and something ripped the door handle, like ripped the door out of my hand. Like if a big, strong man on the other side had like taken it and pulled it, like, you're no, you're not going anywhere. And the door like flew back in into my office so hard it like bounced off but I mean it was like violent so it was like oh shit (laughs) and so I I like ran I locked the door and I like ran out and I called my mom because you know that's who that's who you go to when you have these crazy issues I'm like who can help me mom I need to talk to mom so I call my mother and I'm like mom oh my God, I'm having a nervous breakdown. I think I'm having a psychotic break. And she's like, Rissy, crazy people don't know they're crazy. (laughs) And I'm like, I guess you're right. I mean, she was like, really, if you think about it, when people are having psychotic breakdowns, they believe that this is the reality. They're not questioning it and saying like, am I, am I having a psychotic break? They just think that's what it is. And I'm like, all right, you know what? That's a good point. So she's like, all of these things that you're talking to me about, like you have all of these people, you know, you're always doing these tarot parties and all of that. Like, why don't you just, con- why don't you ask someone who's an expert? And I'm like, cause I'm an idiot. Like <laughs> I never thought of it until you brought it up. Okay. So I ended up going on this search for someone who could help me to clear this, whatever it was out of my office. So I had like a feng shui person come. I started contacting like 
all of these mediums, all of these psychics before all of this. I mean, this has always been consistent from the day I opened my office. It was very strange. Like I was a, I am a magnet for psychics and mediums. Like Mm. even before I got into this world, I would, I would have so many patients that would come in and say within five minutes of meeting them, I never tell people this, but I'm a psychic. I'm like, of course you are. Cause I'm like the psychic whisperer. Like if you are psychic and you are within a 500 mile range, you're going to be like drawn to me. <laughs> so I had like all of these people that I had become like friendly with, but I wasn't actually working with them. You know, they were just doing their own thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I, I know all these psychics, but I wasn't even hiring them or, or having readings with them. But now I started to tap into it and I'm like, guys, like shit is going down in my office. I don't know what's happening, but I'm scared all the time. I'm like, I need to get this out, you know? And so I ended up finally seeing one healer who she was like, it's this, it, there is an entity here, but it's feeding off of you. It's feeding off of your fear. So every time you talk about it and you're like, I'm shitting my pants, <laughs> there's something here. She's like, just think about it. If it was a bully, right? If you were being bullied by somebody and you're like, I'm very scared. I'm shitting my pants. Cause you're being mean to me. They're going to be like, ha ha. I'm going to be even worse. Cause like, mm-hmm. now I know I've got you. Yeah. So she's like, you need to get your power back. And so I basically drew some boundaries and it got better it got bearable, but I ended up leaving because I was like, it still wasn't like, it wasn't a comfortable place, but I, I got it to the point where I was like, okay, I can come in and not feel like I'm not seeing little squiggly guys running from room to room anymore. So that's good. But all of that, that happened in those two years when I was going through, I was like, this is so, I was so miserable. And now when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, all of that had to happen. It was so divinely orchestrated because I, that is what set me on this path. And that is what brought all this whole circle of like healers and psychics and mediums into my life. You know, it started the whole, it was a catalyst for all of this. Wow. Wow. And then the rest is history when it comes to that, which yeah. is so amazing. Oh my goodness. And I mean, for anyone who's listening and entities, I mean, what's the best way to describe them? Ghost spirits? No, they're not ghosts. Ghosts are human beings that have passed on. Yeah. And then there's spirits can be all, there's so many, there's so many different like layers of spirits and all different kinds. Entities are, are more like dark, heavy forces. They can be demonic. I never even dove that deep into it because I did not want to know it's, it actually happens a lot more often than you would think. There's a lot of places that have like entities and demonic stuff that kind of sits around. And sometimes it's like a certain person that comes in that triggers it. Actually, for me, this is like a crazy story, but when I was in that space, I was probably there. It, it never felt great, um, but I had this patient who came in who had a, I don't know what you would call it. He was completely blank and he had been normal a week before his mother brought him in. And he had this, he was chanting like all about like the locusts coming and the demons are coming and all of this stuff. He got on my table and I started needling him. And this is so crazy. And I needled like his hands. And then I, I left the room. He had his treatment. I went back in and I took the needles out and like blood just started like coming out of his hands. Like, and I mean, that's not how it works with acupuncture. Like the point, the needles are like the size of a hair. I mean, every now and again, you get like a little drop of blood, but this was like, like pulses. And I started blotting like his hands. And then the blood was just like, it just stopped. It was gone. It was like nothing had happened. His hands were totally, there was blood like on the paper towels, but his hands were like completely clear. There wasn't even like a a little hole where the needle was. And I just was like, what is happening? And I looked at him and he just looked at me and his eyes went completely black and he just started like laughing and laughing. (laughs) And I was like, it was like a freaking horror movie. So, um, I was like, okay. You know, I told his mother, I was like, I know this sounds kind of weird, but I think he needs a shaman. <laughs> now, acupuncture. She actually went to the person I recommended and the shaman was like, yeah, he's full of demons and shit. And she was able to like get rid of it. But I think he left some of his little demon babies behind. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. All right. Now you got to tell me, you got to tell me like your best, like the craziest story that you've ever dealt with. Because now you're in this realm, right? So after your experience, now you've met all these amazing psychics, mediums, healers, and all that. Like what has been like your craziest experience? Oh my God. I have so many, but I will tell you something that happened relatively recently. Mm. 
Okay. So I have this, um, this woman I work with, Jacinia Nozalillo. She's a New England psychic medium and she does um, gift training. So she will um, teach you like what your gifts are and open them up and, and show you how to use them. So she was like, I started to tell her I'm seeing some stuff. And she was like, well, one of your gifts is that you can cross spirits over. And the only reason you haven't done it so far is because you're so freaking scared that every time anything's around, you're like, I don't want to say it. And they don't, they don't show <laughs> themselves to you, which is completely true. So I'm like, okay, well, I kind of want to learn, you know, how to cross spirits over. All right. So let me just sort of backtrack. So we were, we had a session planned so that she was going to teach me how to cross ghosts over. So a few weeks before the session, I, I live alone and I'm in my house and I go to go to sleep and I see this very tall, skinny man in the corner of my bedroom. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, it's a trick of the light. Like I'm literally talking to myself because the moonlight was shining in. So it was like, I could see the figure and then it was gone. And, and I turned the light on, there was nothing there. And then I turned the light off again. And again, I, I'm like, I'm crazy. This is crazy. Like I know nothing's there. And so but then all of a sudden I started to feel like I had chills from head to toe, like any minute I'm going to feel something touching me. So like I always do when I'm scared, I wrap myself up in my blankets and cover my feet. So nothing eats my feet and put the blankets over my head. Like I'm four years old and I'm like literally hiding in my blankets and I'm like calling my cats over. And I'm just like, I know I'm crazy, but, and every time I'd look, I'm like, it's there. It's not there. That was the first night. So in the second night, same thing happened. And I was like, you know, getting ready for bed. And I felt like uncomfortable taking my clothes off. I feel like somebody's watching me and I'm looking in that corner of the room again and there's nothing there. But then when I turn the light off, I'm like, I feel like there's something in the corner of my room staring at me and it's watching me and it likes that I'm getting undressed. So I like got undressed in my bed. Like, <laughs> like I was with somebody in the room and I went, you know, again, I went to sleep. So then like I ended up the next night, nothing happened, nothing happened. So I kind of forgot about it. I'm like, I'm kooky and I have a wild imagination. Yeah. So then Jacenia is like, you know, let's do some ghost training and we can, I can actually like call in spirits for you to cross over and I'll make sure that your whole house is clear and that nothing is left behind. And I was like, you fucking better. Cause I don't want anything left behind <laughs> so all this training to show me how to cross ghosts over. And then before she leaves, she's like, I'm going to do one final walkthrough of your house. I've definitely cleared everything, but I want to make sure. So I'm going to walk through every room and just make sure there's nothing here. So I'm like, okay. So she goes through my whole house. She's like, everything feels great. Great. She goes into my bedroom and she looks in the corner of my bedroom. She's like, oh shit. Oh shit. What? <laughs> She's like, there's this gross, tall, skinny guy in the corner of your room over there just watching us. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm not. He's gross. And I'm like, well, what is he? Why is he here? And she's like, I'm sorry. I must've accidentally let like let him in. I'm like, no, I never told anybody, but like, I saw this guy and I was convinced that I was crazy. She's like, oh no, you were seeing him. She's like, he's super tall, really thin. And she's like, he's gross. He's like a gross guy at a bar. He's like staring at us. Like, like, <laughs> like, you know how guys at bars will just kind yeah. of like eye you up and down. And I'm like, oh my God, he saw me get undressed. She's like, oh yeah. I was like, I remember being like, I don't want to get undressed to go to bed. And she's like, because you could sense that he was literally leering at you in the corner. So then she got rid of him. She was like, I'll just cross him over. No big deal. This is another day in her life. She's like, no biggie. I'll just cross him over. She crossed him over. I've never had any experience with him since, wow. but I was like, holy, all that stuff I was feeling. I was so convinced it was my imagination. And to have that validation, I mean, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff, but that, like, I don't know, I think it, because it hit close to home, it really like stayed with me. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. I mean, I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine. Oh my God, the spirit world. And people think that the, these things don't exist and they truly do. I it's know. not your imagination. The spirit world is not that far away. We're just in a different dimension. That is all. That is all. Oh man. Scales are getting thin. That's for sure. I mean, I think people are, you know, I really do feel like all of this stuff that's happened over the past few years too. I think we're shifting into something where literally I feel like the veils are really thinning and more and more people are seeing and hearing things and understanding that it's not just us. Like there's a lot of other stuff, you know, we're that's kind of 
on the border of being seen. So, well, what's crazy is, you know, astrology talks about, um, Jess. Yep. I'm like trying to remember her last name, D'Angelo. Yes. She was talking about how we're entering the era of the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. Like it's in the planetary, like it's planetary, like that this is written, like it's meant to happen. It's in the planets. Oh my God. Wow. How, ex- well, that wasn't exciting, but I mean, exciting yeah. where we're headed into the era, but like when you experience stuff like that, it's crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And Marissa, like too, like with everything that you've been through and the b- beautiful business that you've built and everything, like what would be your biggest piece of advice that like your older self would tell your younger self based on what you know now? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, everything in your life is never going to look the same. So whatever situation you're in, everything always feels like forever. Like we look at everything from the perspective of like, this is awful now and therefore it will be awful forever. Or this is where I am now, therefore it must be forever. The only thing that we can guarantee in life is that nothing will ever remain the same, that there's always going to be change. And so When you're in a situation where you just feel so stuck, you need to know that your life in two months or two years is going to be unrecognizable to you. Mm -hmm. So the other piece is that we have so much more control. Again, one little step leads to the next and the next. It's just about moving forward. Even if it's in incremental steps, you're shaving a new path. You're like creating this new space to grow into something else. And so if you don't love where you are now, it's not forever and you have full control over wherever it is that you want to be. I love that. I love that. And now like, what are some new things in your world that is coming up next for you? Like what projects are you working on? I know you're working on so many. <laughs> I'm working on so many. I wrote a book and I am in the process of shopping it out and to get it published. You know, I still host, so I host Friday night flights, which are like tastings of, you know, three different psychics, mediums, healers, so that people can get a feel, you know, for who they resonate with. And all of the readers, they're all vetted. They're all amazing. Every month there's some new event going on and, you know, either virtual, hopefully in my space soon. And I mean, the ultimate plan is to create a metaphysical empire, really. You're amazing. You're, gonna do. You're, gonna do you're, you're already doing it. It's just going to expand. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so much, I mean, there is so much need for and desire for this other piece, you know, this spiritual piece and people are so much more open to it than you would ever imagine. And more and more people are are realizing that this is like the missing component. It's, you know, you go to the gym, you work on your physical body, you read a book, you work on your mental, you know, like this spiritual piece is just as important as, you know, brushing your teeth and, you know, going to the gym and reading and keeping yourself active. Like we, it's a part of who we are. So we need people who are trained in being able to help us from that spiritual perspective. Amen to that. Amen to that. And honestly, I mean, I've been doing readings for the past three years and the past three years have elevated my life in ways, you know, the spiritual piece is so critical. It's not just mental. It's not just physical, like you said, but that spiritual piece, like really that guidance and knowing that like your spirits, your ancestors, your guides are not that far away and they're helping you along this route with the universe like it's so it's the coolest thing in the whole world so I'm pumped about what you're building and now with that being said where can everybody find you so I am at healing point therapeutics so anyone who's interested in my brick and mortar stuff my acupuncture hypnosis that piece it's www.healingpointtherapeutics.com I also host a group on Facebook called holistic entrepreneurs and there are tons of psychics mediums readers from the perspective of people who are looking for really good people, you can find them on there. And from the perspective of entrepreneurs and holistic business owners, it's also a great place to really inspire you and, you know, to give you what you need to build your business and to grow. What else am I doing? The Friday night flights, those will always be listed on the Healing Point Therapeutics um, website. And Healing Point Therapeutics is also on Facebook. So I can be found there as well. And my book hopefully will be out this year. Thank you so, so much for being here. You're a total, total rock star. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy 
of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.